good morning, Grace Baptist Church, and it's good to see you this morning, and um, welcome all those who are watching on the live stream as well. I'm glad you could join us. I believe the kids can go down for Kingdom Kids at this time. I just want, just uh, excited and thankful for the privilege to be able to, to be up here, and I was saying in the earlier service, I feel liberated, and, and some of you might be thinking I'm referring back to last week's message on liberation, but I just mean I don't have to wear a mask up here, and there's freedom up here, and so the perks of, of the, the uh, position or the, what I get to do this morning, so, um, but we come to Romans chapter 8 again, and we're going to continue uh, in this great chapter and build upon what Jeff spoke on last week, and then he's going to come back and, and keep going with it. But um, we're reminded here that Paul is writing to a mixed group of Christians, Jews and Gentiles in Rome, who are saved. He calls them brothers, referring to brothers and sisters. Um, and what, what he's finding is that they're finding it difficult to fully grasp that salvation is completely a work of God and is not of any work of their own. And they're, they're finding it difficult to grasp not only that, but that God fully loves them. And they were struggling with this new way of thinking. Uh, their, their old life was, they were a master to the flesh and they were trying to keep the law, which we've been learning that we can't because of sin. And they were trying to live up to God's love instead of living out of God's love. Sounds familiar when I examine myself. And uh, as we seen last week, that God's love by the liberating work of the Spirit freed us from sin and death. We are free. We are liberated. And he did this by sending his son to pay for sin's penalty. And by that same spirit, he gives us life and power to obey. We are free from sin's power. Now Paul is going to go on in these first few verses, 12, 13, and 14, um, to... Uh, conclude upon these thoughts, and then he's going to move us forward to an amazing portion of Scripture, as if it isn't amazing already, um, of who we are, this new life in Christ, but who we are in Christ. And today I want to tell you that today you are not only free from sin and death, if you name the name of Christ, if you know Christ, you are a child, you are a son of God, and because of that position, you are an heir of God, and you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And he's going to build upon that, we'll see here in a minute, but let's read, come to verse 12, and let's read the, the passage at hand. It says, so then brothers, referring back to uh, what we learned last week, what the Spirit has done and what God has done through the Spirit, freeing us, liberating us. 
So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. One theologian uh, said this, that God, he's not interested in Christmas trees. And before, uh, before time began, God has chosen us to be a, a son of God, to be a child of God, and he was not thinking about Christmas trees and making us like Christmas trees. And now, you, now I mean, it's, Christmas is gone, but it's, it's going to come. Um, and, and you're going to get out your tree, and maybe you uh, uh, go and still go to the lot, and you cut down your tree. You pick a tree, and you, you cut it down, you bring it home, and you, you put on those ornaments. And when you're first married, you got one ornament, you know, the one of picture of you and your spouse. And... And uh, when you're first dating or something like that, and then, and then you get a, you get children, you start to have baby's first ornament, and you hang that on the tree, and and you're trying to make it look pretty, and and you have more kids and more kids, and each kid has an ornament. Every year you're multiplying the ornaments, and the tree's just loaded, and it's weighed down, and it's it doesn't look so good anymore. <laughs> and you're and now 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 that your kids are maybe teenagers, you're you're hiding ornaments that you don't want on there anymore. There's no room for them. And we try to make it look good. We, we try to put on uh, these good-looking ornaments, these decorations. And uh, that's not what God does for us. He doesn't, he, he doesn't go into the lot, cut us down, and just tell us to look good and to, to live up to some standard of amazing, if you will, only to just... We start to die, and, and we don't get watered, and the needles start falling, and he, throws, he doesn't just throw us to the curb. Instead, he wants, he's interested in fruit trees, and he goes out, and he digs you up by the roots. He, he, he takes you, he transplants you, he puts you in his family. He plants you into his family as a son, as a daughter, and he, by his spirit, he uh, cultivates and he prunes and he sanctifies you and so that you may bear fruit unto righteousness. God has begun a good work in you, Christian. It didn't end at justification when he declared you righteous. As amazing as that is, it didn't end there. He has given us his spirit to do the work of sanctification in our lives. And this new, new birth is from the inside out. It's not putting on 
on the outside. It starts on the inside. And he's reminding the Romans here that this is their new life. Verse 12 to 14. And these verses draw a conclusion from the previous section, as we said. Um, the new life in Christ is not indebted to the flesh. Verse 12, so then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Since we have been liberated by the Spirit of God, we no longer live in the flesh. Not, th this is not just referring to our sinful actions or acts, our sinful deeds, but it's referring to the, the greater of the world, the broken world we live in, and its system, and its philosophy. That this, this old way of thinking has no place in your new life in Christ. The flesh is no longer our master. We are not obligated to obey it. We need not owe any allegiance to it. What has it ever done for us? He says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. The flesh brought death. The old life brought sin, was sinful, and it brought death. And it's not just physical death, but it leads to eternal death, eternal separation from God. We are not in debt to that life anymore. We are freed from it. And they, they, his reader, they, were, they were struggling with, what does this look like? Because I feel like I need to, to earn something here. I, I, I'm struggling with a God... Did he really do all the work in Christ for me? And so we see that this new life is not indebted to the flesh, but it is a life that is led by the Spirit. Verse 13, the latter 13 and 14 says, But if, you, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay, now he's not teaching here that we need to uh, uh, that we need to work for our salvation that we have to put off these deeds of the, the the sin so that we may attain something that we may attain eternal life but he's teaching that we need to work out of our salvation in Christ not working for our salvation but by the spirit you notice it says this is done by the Spirit. Well, in our old life, we were, we were dead in our sins. We didn't ha have the Spirit of God. So this new life is, is putting to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. It is not a life indebted to the flesh, but putting the flesh to death. Or the flesh will kill you. If you do not do this. So there's, there's the spirits leading in this. But there's also our responsibility as well. To follow the spirit of God. Well what's this look like? Oh we just let, we just let go and let God. You've heard that phrase maybe before. Just let go and let God. No that's not. Throw that term out. 
into the garbage. That's not the Christian life. No, it's, it's if you want to know how to follow the Spirit of God, go to where he's, he's God, uh, Jesus has promised for him to renew you. That's by his word. Sanctify them by your truth. Jesus said, your word is truth. The Spirit's going to lead you. The primary way the Spirit of God will lead you as a son, as a daughter of God, is through the word of God. It's sure. It's truth. Get to know the word of God. The same Spirit that has freed us from the flesh, also gives us the power over sin, over the old way of thinking and living. A spirit indwelt believer is someone who is actively and presently, by the leading of the spirit, putting to death the sinful acts of the body. He alludes to this in chapter 6, that we are dead to sin. And you can read in Colossians 3, uh, a more detailed uh, Description of that. This putting to death of the flesh, he goes on and says, is a mark of someone who is spirit-led. Therefore, they could only be known as a son of God. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Sons and daughters of God. And notice back in verse 12 that Paul... Uh, he never says that we are indebted to the Spirit. And you would think he might be going that way as the, word, as, as the wording implies. We are not in debt to the flesh, but it's almost like he stopped his train of thought and forgot to come back to it. You, it, it seems like it would say you are now indebted to the Spirit, to live according to the Spirit. But that's not what he's trying to convey to the Romans because they were, they were struggling with this idea that we have to pay back, that we have to live up to, that we have to kind of bring in a little bit of the old and, and, and we can't just push that away totally. We have to, you know, we have to earn a little bit. We have to keep the law and, and this and this and we have to look good in our position and our, our, who we were and who, who, who we've come to be, who our, our history and, and all these things. But Paul isn't trying to convey. We don't, in one sense, we do owe God everything, but it's not a payback. God didn't just purchase us and redeem us and then tell us to go and, okay, now I've, I've loaned you, you know, the Spirit and you need to now pay for Him and you need to, to do and do all these things and you need to please me and, and now I look good for me and, and I'll, when we get to the end, I, then I'll, I'll, I'll glorify, I'll, you'll, you'll be glorified. That's not, that's another, that's not the gospel. This earning, and this is not what Paul's trying to convey, this payback attitude. He's trying to lead them away from that. And, and I, I was thinking, you know, on, on special occasions, um, a lot of times, maybe you do too, you go out to eat, you go to a restaurant, um, might have time to cook, or depending on what Mother's Day. I remember as a kid, we would go to this restaurant called the Chickadee. It's a favorite spot of my grandmother, and uh, living in Maine, my, my grand one set of grandparents was there. And I remember going out, and it was it was always like get the we wanted to get the seafood platter, the, 
the seafood buffet platter or whatever it was. But, um, but at the end of the meal, the waitress or waiter comes up. He's like, okay, who's the, who's the, who's the bill going to? And I remember my grandfather, I can remember this vividly, saying, oh, I'm going to pay for it. It's like, oh, okay, okay. Then my dad speaks up, no, no, I'm going to pay for it. This is on me. And then my grandfather, no, Barry, I'm going to pay for it. I'm paying for it. No, my dad, no. And they just went back and forth because they didn't want to let the other one pay for the meal. And maybe if you're from the older generation, you're familiar with that. You're not going to let the newer generation, you might say something like, are you sure? <laughs> Which is really means, uh, okay, <laughs> you can pay for so, and you say thanks, maybe, hopefully. Um, but what God is trying to do through his saving work, the sanctifying work, I'm sorry, older generation, but the newer generation, in this sense, has it right. We are not trying to pay back, or you might say, you might say I owe you one, right? But what he is saying is that we're to then say thank you. You did it, God. You, you accomplished it. You paid the price. It was all you. I couldn't do it. And out of thanksgiving, out of gratitude, out of love for what you have done, I am going to put to death the deeds of the flesh by your spirit. I'm going to live in newness of life because to show your glory, to show your majesty, to... It's the Christian life is not a have to, it's a want to. This new life that is not indebted to the flesh, that is led by the Spirit, this is confirmed by our new position in Christ. And here he, he comes to just a great series of verses, and we don't have time to really break all this down. There's, I encourage you to study further. Um, our new position is 1, verse 15 says, for, I, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We are adopted as sons, as daughters of God. This is your new position. When God gave the Holy Spirit to you as a person who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, he did not give you the Spirit so you would merely go on trying to prove yourself to God again. This would be called slavery. It, relationships don't work. Love relationship. Your marriage would not work if you have a list of what your spouse has to do. I'm not talking about the honey-do list. That's an important one. But a list of what they have to live up to for you to be happy with them. That's, that's a love killer. That's not God's love for us. His love is unconditional. But that, that's, that's, the, that's the spirit of slavery Paul saying, a relationship that continues because you demonstrate your worth and value continually is more of a relationship that you might have maybe with your boss or employer. Okay, you, 
you do this job description and you earn your payment and they assess how you're doing and if you're accomplishing what they've told you to do and you're, you might move up in the company because of what you've done. Okay, this, this philosophy to bring, we cannot, we're so used to that, right? We're, we, we're ingrained in that culture and um, the old way, that was the old way, and that's a love killer. That will kill your love for God. Not in the sense of he's going to forsake you and leave you and stop loving you, but you, you're, it'll bring you out of fellowship and it'll bring you into uh, just an apathetic Christian walk. Is that how you view your relationship with God this morning, Christian? Is you've come in here this morning, and and this this idea of that I have to do something, I have to go to church, I have to tithe, I have to be involved in this, I have to go on a missions trip, I have to make God happy. Or maybe you've come in here and you're tired, you're just tired of failing, you're tired of day after day, week after week, the struggle of sin and putting to death the deeds of the body and you're, and you're, and you're sinning and, and you just don't, God, I, are you, do you really forgive me? And you start to doubt your position in Christ as his son and, and this is what sin and death does. You live in fear that God will punish you, that he'll bring death or sickness into your life because of, of your ongoing struggle with sin that you failed yet again. And Paul, Paul is saying, this is what, this is the thinking, this is the old way of thinking, this is the indebtedness to the, this is, this is not, Paul says, this is what Christ came to rescue you from. This is the reason he sent Jesus. God does not want you to have the spirit of fear. He wants you to live not in fear. The Spirit leads us. He guides us. I've heard one person say he's a gentleman. <laughs> he doesn't beat us. He doesn't whip us. He doesn't say do what you're supposed to do. He's indwelt us. It's like the, the master who goes into the slave quarters and lives with them and shows them and loves them and helps them do the job that they're to do. And free them from that, he, his, his love for you. And maybe, you, maybe you're here and you've, you've perhaps uh, been involved in an adoption process or you've adopted some, a child into your family. Um, and the first thing is the legal side of it. And that can be difficult, that can be lengthy, costly, and a long process. Um, And you know what, the, the legal side, that's, that's justification. Now, justification is in a process, but that, that's the legal side where God has declared us righteous. You are purchased by his blood. He makes you his own legally, securely, and permanently. God has justified us. He has bought us. He has redeemed us. 
but it doesn't end there. Then typically there's the, there, then there's the bonding process as that new son or daughter comes home and into your family. Um, there's that bonding process whereby the child is reassured of their parents, their new, their new life, their, their new parents' affection and love for them as they begin this new life in a new family, in a new place, whereby they are treated as equal to the other natural children of birth in that family. That would be the hope, is that you're not, you don't play favorites. Well, this is my legitimate child. You're just adopted. No, you bring them in, and you give them the same exact love that you give your own natural children. And this is what God does for us. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. He comes in. He reassures us of the love of the Father. Did you know that God wants to be near you this morning? You come in here, maybe you're like, God, I don't feel like he's near me. You've forgotten God's desire, his love for you. Did you know God, he cares about you this morning? Maybe you're here, you do not know God as a father. It's just a religious figure. This is such a difference between the difference between all other belief systems and what the Bible says about God, he is not a distant God. He is a near God. He is a close God. He is indwelling you, God. The fruit tree. He cares about what concerns you today. Oh, I'm not, I haven't talked to God today. He's not not concerned with with what I got going on. It's not true. The Holy Spirit not only is uh, not only that one by whom we can cry uh, Abba Father who, who makes us sons of God but he's also given to us to reflect the love back to him, to God. To bring us to that place where we cry Abba Father or it actually means daddy. It's the spirit on our behalf. Crying out to God as father. The, the Jews, they didn't use that term father. This was, this was revolutionary for them. They used, they used a term that basically meant the name. They referred to him as the name. It, and they, they held God in, in one sense in very high esteem and position. But also... He was very distant. But now by the Spirit, it's amazing. We can call him Abba Father. We can cry out to him. He's our daddy. And, and those who maybe adopted that, um, what a special day perhaps when that adopted child eventually then calls you daddy and looks at you in that position. And so... Not only are we sons uh, adopted as sons and daughters, I just say that's, that's a great uh, truth that it's not just, and, and we'll get to that when it comes to the inheritance, but that, that in the ancient world, the, the son, the male received the inheritance, but in the gospel, there's no such distinction. It's, we are equal daughters and sons. We both 
share in that inheritance. We are both children of God. Verse 16, it's the Spirit himself who bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Before you came to Christ, your relationship to God was that of an enemy. Romans 8, 7 says we were hostile toward God. We didn't want God. Ephesians says we are by nature children of wrath. But now in Christ, the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are indeed his children. Your works don't testify to it. The Spirit of God testifies to that. And so we have this new position. And the third, thirdly, there's our new future, which is very present, but also future as well, whereby we share, because we're a child of God, we have that privilege of sons of God, we, have, uh, we are heirs of God. Verse 17 says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Wow. I think you could spend weeks thinking about that and not really coming to the full realization of what that means. We are sharing in the inheritance of Jesus with the Spirit as our witness, as God's sons and children. We will be recipients of all the spiritual blessings now and in the future, just as Christ. Once a slave to sin, God has purchased us out of slavery and made us his own. We are never made to feel like we don't belong. We are never driven to earn it. We are not a slave to fear. What a beautiful picture between servant and child or the the old way, and then being a child, and we, we did nothing to do to earn it. We did nothing of ourselves that God would bestow on us all the blessings that he has on Jesus Christ. What love is this? If you're here today, there is no greater love. Maybe you've been searching. May God has brought you to this point. This is the love you've been searching for all your life. We share in his inheritance, and there's so much more that could be said of that. And you read Ephesians is a great, and Galatians, all those. You get to know that's how the Spirit's going to transform you. He's how he's going to sanctify you. And then Paul, we're not going to end there because maybe some of you want me to. But then he goes and says this. We are heir, uh, children, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. What are we talking about suffering today? I didn't, this is about God's love and our position and our new life. Suffering is a, is a part of the Christian life. It's going to happen, and in many of your lives it has happened. It's, it may be happening and if it hasn't yet, it's going to. And not only do we share in Christ's inheritance, but we share in his sufferings and what he went through 
Look at the life of Christ. The pain and the suffering. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane where uh, we see Jesus using this term, Abba Father, saying, if this cup can be taken away, let it be, but not my will, but yours be done. And as we, as we go through the Christian life, as we suffer from, we're still in, as he reminded us, we were reminded last week, we're still in this body of death. But we are alive by the Spirit. We can cry out, although we are suffering in the physical, we are free in the spiritual. We can cry out to God, and he, he draws near to us. He comes near to us as we draw near to him. Suffering can either make you run away from God's love or it can make you experience God's love even more deeply in the affection of the Father of God. Um, this one Puritan writer, John Owen, uh, this is a, a quote from him. It says, The greatest sorrow and burden that you can lay on the Father, the greatest unkindness that you can do to him, is, is what? What do you think, I wonder? Well, I'll read it again. The greatest sorrow and burden that you can lay on the Father, the greatest unkindness that you can do to him, is not to believe that he loves you. I thought that really great perspective. Not to believe that he loves you. He loves you. And he's saying to us, Paul saying, reminding the Romans, you are not of your old life. You are not indebted to the flesh. You are not a slave. You've been taken out of that. God says, I love you. Why aren't you believing it? I've, my love is sufficient. I've completed it on the cross. While you were still a sinner, Christ died. There was nothing you could do. I, I loved you before the foundation of the world, God says. Not only that, the Son, Jesus says, I came. I lived a life like you. I took upon the form of a servant. I went to Gethsemane. I took the, the lashings on my back. I took the nails in my hands and feet for you, Jesus says. And then, then the Spirit comes and says, I've come to help you. I've come to indwell you, to lead you, to guide you, to sanctify you, to show forth the fruit, the glorious fruit of God and how awesome he is. What more could you want, Christian? Through suffering, through pain, through joy, we cry out to him and we have that future inheritance and it's all leading, Paul says, Provided we suffer that in order we may also be glorified with him. That one day our body of death will be done away with. Be no more hurt and pain. And we will have a, the corruptible will put on the incorruptible in Christ. That is sure. It's our inheritance now. And it's our inheritance later. All because of the work of Jesus Christ. I was going to read, uh, close with Romans 5, 1 to 5. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful today for the word of God that we can open, that we can be reminded as brothers and sisters in Christ of our new life, free from sin and death, our new position as sons, as daughters, children of God, and our new future and our present future of joint heirs with Jesus Christ, joint heirs. And God, may we live out of that love that the Father has for us. May we cry, Abba, Father. May we run to you. May we be close to you. May we be in the word of God. That's how the Spirit will lead us. May we put to death by your Spirit as he shows us our sin. May we die to it day by day. May we live in newness of life. May we not be afraid of this new life. But may we trust in the finished work of God and his love and forgiveness for us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.